Warning, this episode contains graphic material that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to The Cave. This is Jay, and today we are going to be discussing the Martin Bryant case, also known as the Port Arthur Massacre. It's known as the most notorious mass murder in Australia's history. The Port Arthur mass shooting happened over 25 years ago. It is the reason Australia has placed such extensive restrictions on gun laws and even caused a buyback scheme in which over 643,000 firearms were handed back, which costed their government $350 million. The country no longer allows any firearms to be purchased without a firearm license. Martin Bryant was born on May 7, 1967 in Hobart, Tasmania, the firstborn to his parents, yet to know the horrors to be created by their son. Martin was extremely bullied at school. This led to him bullying children younger and weaker than him. This would then lead to him being suspended from school when he was only 10 years old. He would later undergo first of many psychological assessments here. It was discovered to be he enjoyed torturing and killing animals and had an IQ of only 66, making him legally mentally disabled. After only a year, Martin returned to school in 1978 with improved behavior, but it didn't last long. After failing to friend his classmates, he started bullying again. When Martin turned 14, he received his first firearm. It was an air rifle his father bought for him as a present. He would carelessly fire the weapon at drivers driving by and shoot down birds. This earned him the nickname, quote-unquote, Silly Martin, with people saying he had no sense and feeling for other living creatures. After he left school in 1983, the boy was assessed for a disability pension. The psychologist wrote that the young man could not read nor write, although he was able to garden. But because he could possibly be schizophrenic, his parents felt they faced a bleak future with him. Though this assessment was awarded the disability pension, he also worked as a handyman and gardener. His mental disability was said to possibly be a reason he couldn't connect with anyone and what made him to do the mass shooting. For the next five years, Martin remained home with his parents, doing odd handyman jobs locally. In 1987, when he was only 19, he finally made his first real connection with another person, a a 54-year-old woman named Helen Mary Elizabeth Harvey. She was a hairness to a share in a total Tursal's lottery fortune. He came across Harvey when trying to find new customers. Harvey, who lived with her mother, Hilza, ended up befriending the unusual man, which made him a regular visitor afterwards, doing chores around the neglected mansion. Things at first started to look up for Martin, but after an inspection, both Harvey and her mother needed immediate medical treatment to how poorly the house was in. Unfortunately, though, Hilza, it was late for her, passing away at the age of 79. 
After her mother passed away, Harvey invited Martin to live with her at the mansion, to which he happily accepted. Though it was never proven, people speculate the couple's relationship went farther than just friendship. The two started spending large amounts of Miss Harvey's money, buying more than 30 new cars in less than three years. They went shopping a lot daily and ate out at restaurants. With all that money, new friend, and his first chance to be normal, you would think Martin would finally get better, but you'd be wrong. Around this time, he'd move into his new home, he was reassessed, and the outcome was even worse. The psychiatrist attached a note to the assessment which read, Father protects him from any occasion which might upset him as he continually threatens violence. Martin tells me he would like to go around shooting people. It would be unsafe to allow Martin out of his parents' control. You would think with such a shocking evaluation that Martin would be taken to like a mental health facility to be monitored. This was not the case though. Though he didn't live with his parents anymore, they did keep a close eye on him. In 1991, Miss Harvey decided to buy a 29-acre farm called Torresville in a small township of Coping. Both she and Martin moved in together to displeasure of their neighbors disapproving of the relationship, but after this all, the locals were wary of this new and unusual man. Late at night, he would fire his rifle at dogs when they would bark at him. He would also fire at tourists as he stopped to buy apples. Not signs of a mentally stable man, I'd say. It was no wonder people avoided him at all costs despite his efforts of befriending them. On October 20th, 1992, Miss Harvey passed away. Though the case is still a bit dubious as to how her death actually occurred, the story goes her and Martin were driving with two of their dogs when they suddenly veered to the wrong side of the road onto oncoming traffic and hitting a car head on. All passed besides Martin who experienced severe back pain and neck injuries. Police investigated his potential role in this incident as he was known to lunge for the steering wheel whilst the car was moving. He had already caused Miss Harvey to crash three times already by doing said action. Miss Harvey was also so fearful of Martin she started to even confide in her neighbors saying he was the reason she couldn't drive faster than 37 miles per hour. Although he was investigated, Martin told them it was because of the dogs. They were roaming freely and it caused him to crash. He was subsequently no longer seen as a suspect. After her death, Martin was left the sole beneficiary of, Mar of Miss Harvey's will and came into possession of assets totaling more than $550,000. Because of because of Martin's low IQ, he was unable to look after his own finances. His mother would then apply and grant a guardianship over to place Martin's assets under the management of public trustees, which ended up being his father. The tragedy didn't stop there, though. After Harvey's death, Martin went back to live with his mother, whilst his father looked after the farm 
This was around the time his father was attempting to buy a bed and breakfast near Port Arthur, but because he couldn't get his finances in order, it was sold to another couple. It must have followed his father fell into a deep depression and even blaming Martin for it. On the 16th of August in 1993, divers found Martin's father in a lake of the property with a diving weight belt around his neck. This ended up being one of the big things that pushed Martin over the edge. Though it was ruled as a suicide, people do believe Martin actually killed his own father. So he was actually able to gain access to his money since his father was the guardian. In the aftermath, Martin gained access to $550,000 on top of $250,000 left by his father. Now alone, his unusual and eccentric personality started showing up more. He was often seen wearing a gray linen suit, a curvage, a lizard skin shoes, and a Panama hat. He would try to talk to strangers saying he had a well-paying job. As his mental health declined and his need for companionship grew, Martin would go on multiple trips overseas just so he could talk to people in the plane who were forced to be polite. People would talk to him, however, they still felt he was extremely creepy. But this was not enough to satisfy his dire need for friendship, and his mental health grew worse because of it. In late 1995, Martin became suicidal after deciding he has had enough. He stated, I just felt more people were against me. When I tried to be friendly toward them, they just walked away. Martin quickly turned to alcohol in the six months prior to Port Arthur Massacre. His consumption increased exponentially, causing what's happening next. Martin thought of the plans for Port Arthur just 12 weeks before it took place and based it off the Dublin Massacre, which took place one month prior to Martin's attack in Scotland. Years leading to the attack, Martin managed to legally obtain an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, an AR-15 rifle, an L1A1 self-loading battle rifle, and a USAS-12 automatic shotgun. He also visited Port Arthur, the historic site, multiple times months leading up to the event, and even bought a large sports bag, which he said needed to be strong enough to hold large amounts of ammunition. It seemed Martin was determined to go through with the plan, so on April 28, 1996, Martin did exactly that. He woke at 6 a.m. by his alarm clock. During an interview after the attack, his girlfriend at the time and his remaining family said that it was strange as he'd never used an alarm clock before. At 9.45, his girlfriend left for the day. Martin left shortly after and headed towards Port Arthur along with his weapons and bag full of ammo. At 11.45 a.m., he had arrived at the Seascape Bed and Breakfast, the same one his father was unable to buy prior. He believed owners deliberately bought the property to hurt his family and even blamed him for his father's suicide and depression. Martin finally shot the owners before making his way to Port Arthur. Once arrived at Port Arthur, Martin walked into the Broad Arrow Cafe carrying his large, blue sports bag. He ordered a meal and made small talk with the tourists in a small shop 
acting as if he was just another visitor on a day out. After finishing his meal, Martin moved towards the back end of the cafe, which had around 60 to 70 people. He set up a video camera at an empty table. He then took out his rifle and started firing into his crowd. Within 12 seconds, he had fired 17 shots, killing 12 and injuring 10. Marn walked towards the gift shop shortly after where people were trying to hide and fired 12 more times, killing 8 more and wounding 2 more. Outside the cafe, people had gathered, believing in gunshots just to be a part of a reenactment play. Marn took his opportunity to refill and leave the cafe, only to callously shoot into the crowd and leaving four more dead and six more injured. Only 300 meters after fleeing, he had saw a mother with her six and three-year-old daughters and killed all three cold-heartedly. This wasn't it though. Martin then stole a gold BMW, killing all four of its occupants. He would then pull up to a white Toyota right down the road told the male driver to get out of the car to get in his and right after killing the woman who was driving the truck. At 2.10, the murderer returned back to the bed and breakfast and took the hostage inside. Police were notified of the murders that happened in the roads and of obviously Port Arthur and it wasn't until 9 p.m. when the Tasmania task force pulled up on the scene and saw the police officers who arrived and were being pinned down for the next 18 hours in a tense standoff Martin ended up killing the hostage after negotiating failed the next morning in a last ditch effort Martin set the home on fire and tried to get away amidst the confusion it didn't work and he was eventually captured and taken to a hospital to get burns treated uh, he was heavily guarded at this time on November 7th 1996, after he was told by a judge that he was a fitted to fit trial, the murderer pleaded guilty, yet his lawyer ended up making him plead guilty to all charges. Two weeks later after this, he was sentenced to 35 consecutive life sentences, one for each victim killed. Also given an additional 1,652 years in prison for attempted murder and grievous harm to numerous people. Without Bond, a first of its kind, it's safe to say he's never getting out. As of, as of 2022, he attempted suicide three times, with the most recent being 2017. He tried using a razor and trying to take his own life. It's been reported that he no longer is attempting to rehabilitate or anything of that nature. He doesn't go on the courtyards in the prison and stays away from people. He is shown in pictures at the prison he is staying at to be overweight and, in quote, giving up on life. Now, with that being said, I'm going to bring Millie on and we will discuss the case brought forth. Okay, so how do you feel? Um... So this was the 1990s, yeah, 1990s. Yeah, this so the massacre happened during the 1990s, but his whole childhood of him like tormenting people basically has been going on throughout his like whole like years. He was born yeah. in like the early 80s, I want to say. 
around the, the fact that he was given the evaluation from mm-hmm. said doctor like yeah, psychiatrist, and yeah. then they literally made the note that he openly said that he wants to shoot people yeah and shouldn't be wasn't was deemed unfit to be like on his own yeah they thought like he need to be with his parents because he was literally going around telling like the, even a psychiatrist the one who's evaluating him yeah, you know, I have a feeling I just want to kill people. I want to shoot someone. Yeah. Like, so wait, what age was that at? Did you know or no? Uh, so there's, so he was basically evaluated multiple times throughout his life. The first one he was really yeah. evaluated, like, uh, bigly on was when he was 10. That was the one where they're basically like, um, yeah, so your son, he has, you know, he's on the spectrum. You know, he does have a mental disability. You know, he's not, you know, I would just, you know, watch for different types of personality changes because he's over here already harming animals and stuff like that. So just, you know, yeah. be wary of that. Um, But the one where they evaluated him and said that he was, like, unfit was when he was right around um, when he got out of high school. When he was around uh, high school, he got out, he got evaluated to get the pension, and then around, like, it was around the time he moved in with Miss Harvey. That's when the evaluation came in of him basically being like, he needs to be around his parents' control. Because yeah. he's over here talking about killing people. Yeah. So the fact that they were, his parents were fully aware mm-hmm. of this, it just blows my mind. Because I feel like it definitely could have been prevented if mm-hmm. they would have taken extra steps. I mean, they might have. And it might have not just been mentioned, but... I mean, we'll never really know, well, but... Not even just that, though. I mean, like, he's an adult at that point, right? Like, you figure he was around 19 when he moved in, when he met Miss Harvey before even moving in with her. It wasn't until when her mom died when he moved in. Um, But, I mean, still 19, nonetheless. That's an adult. Exactly. I, I, I understand that, you know, mental disability, he's on the spectrum. Uh, I think when he got taken in into custody and he did an evaluation before he was put into trial... They obviously have to make sure that he's fit for trial. It wasn't until after like weeks and weeks and weeks of uh, um, like evaluating, they're like, "Yeah, he know he is fit." They diagnosed him with uh, multiple personality disorder because the schizophrenic uh, tendencies did actually come up. And then, um, obviously, the big one just being like they said it flat out, like he has Asperger's. But to the day that you're still a human, like they obviously die. They obviously, you know put this man on trial so clearly there's some form of you know stability there this man after his father passed away was given full control of both the 550,000 and the 250,000 given to his father clearly at some point he was uh, available to you know have some form of knowledge of what he was doing doesn't you know Mm -hmm. change the fact that what he did was wrong but if we're going in that sense that you know they looked at him as a human like kind of like humanoid not as a man on the spectrum for him to be put on trial, then why couldn't they look at him as a, I guess, more mature, is a better way of putting it, being mature enough to be taken into a mental health facility. But because he was, he was on a spectrum, they look at as, oh no, his parents need to take control of this. He has like a childlike mentality. Which yeah. Which made no sense to me. Which is why I thought that like it definitely could have been prevented. But, um, I so, mean, it seemed like he was kind of destined for something yeah, I mean, you crazy you, like that. It was going on since he was a kid. I mean, his yeah. nickname was oh, Silly Martin. He's shooting at mm-hmm. animals again. He's shooting at humans when he's 
a 10-year-old or four, uh, 14, four, sorry, he was 14. He got his first weapon, he was 14. He was shooting at people as shit in 40 is 14. Silly Martin. Clearly. And like the, when he went later on, like before, like when he got like all those guns yeah. to like perform like the actual act of the massacre. Yeah. How was he able to get all those? Like legally, uh, because before. But they didn't like. I mean, obviously, I mean it sucks because it was so long ago. So I guess they didn't really well look no. into his history. Well, no, or... because at the time there was no real gun laws like that. It wasn't until the massacre happened where they actually changed the gun laws. Because, of, yeah. They felt, Australia felt like it was needed to be put into this um, act where they needed to actually make it so it's more strict to get guns. Uh, that's why I'm not sure if you, like, follow anyone who's in, like, a social influencer or anything like that in Australia. They always say, like, you want to get a gun in Australia, just forget about it because it's never going to happen. Yeah. It's really, really hard to get one that I know of or at least heard of, but it's because of this case. Um, yeah. before you again with this instance he was just able to get automatic weapons and automatic shotguns and a fully loadable battle rifle and everything else obviously you know just because you're on a spectrum doesn't mean like your rights are you know your humanity yeah. gets taken away but with the evaluation side of things that's what they need to look at and yeah know, I feel like that, that should have been shoot, he wants to shoot like... people and other shit clearly shows like there is no care in what they're doing yeah, I, I feel like that definitely should have been, like, okay, like, you have this history when you're doing, I mean, I don't really know how their, like, whole process is for getting a gun. Well, at well, least back then. Uh, back then. Like, how just... it is, it's like, here, like, you have to, like, go through, like, the process of, like, filling out, like, the papers, and, like, you gotta wait a couple months, stuff like that, and, like, well, like they do, like, the background checks, like, so I don't know, I should have looked into that, uh, they well... actually, like... Well, back like then it was back then there was no background check. At the time, you could go into a weapon store or like a gun 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 store. That's what it is, a gun store. Not like a background check, no. but like. No, I'm saying like back then. No you, mental health check no. of any sort, no. like because they didn't feel like there was a need to. They didn't feel like anything was ever going to happen. So yeah. you know, whatever things like that steps ahead, I guess, until it happens. You obviously want to assume people aren't crazy enough to do some shit like that. So for I them, mean, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, exactly. but then at the same time, you yeah. have to protect people and yeah. prepare just in case yeah, something so, were to happen. That, that that just in case, quote unquote, never happened. So for him, he could have went in there, bought the weapons with you know money because he had it. He had the you know he had the resources to do that. He had well well endowed in the money from the people that passed away in his life. He was able to go buy those things. He didn't need to be like, oh, no, you have this, this, and this. It's like. Are you giving us money for weapons? All right, cool, take it. We'll give you this too while you're at it. Here's a fucking free clip. That's kind of like the mentality they were at at that time. Until mm -hmm. this happened, where they were like, Australia's government was like, all right, let's sit down, let's discuss what we need to do. From there, they said, all right, fuck it. We're going to take back some of the weapons, sell, you know, give them back to where we got them from, and then we're going to, you know, put strict laws. And like I said in the, uh, the previous clip, it was a total of over $350 million Australia's government spent to fix this so it, they could try to prevent it from happening again obviously mm -hmm. never gonna stop from things like this happening but to try yeah. to prevent it from happening there's more Jesus. you know restrictions to ever have this happen again but, i don't know but yeah it's crazy yeah the evaluations won't... i mean i get like his his mindset of it because he he, he, he said that he went in there and like 
I guess from like the pressure of like his father saying that like it was his fault that he didn't yeah. get like that place and stuff like yeah. that. He, no, he blamed it for the depression. That's the worst part. He, yeah. it, he was like, "Yo, it's your fault. I'm feeling this way." And then he kind of killed himself. He's like, "So obviously yeah. that's a shoulder. That's weight on his shoulders." Like, damn, like I caused this. And then his whole time prior to this, you know, massacre, him yeah. being like, "No, it's the couple's fault. Like they did. The, they're the reason because he would have been happy if yeah, he actually got that place." Um. But just other things, too. Like, he openly flat out said, like, I'm just tired of feeling like people are walking away from me. Like, all this man truly wanted was to be accepted, but because his social cues couldn't allow him to, you know, show himself properly. Because there was a point in time where he was able to dress up and go to people and talk to them in public and basically be like, hey, like, let's talk, blah, blah, blah. But it was never fulfilling for him because he always felt at the end of the conversation they were just walking away from him and he would never see them again. He never got that friendship he truly desired unless besides when he had Harvey in his life. And even then, because he was on the spectrum as the way he was, there was po- points in time where, like, even, like I said, she was scared for her own life, even having to go to her neighbors and being like, he's the reason I can't drive over a certain speed limit because he lunges for the wheel and it fears for my life. And it's what people evaluate, yeah. people think happened is, and and he's done that three times before. Yeah, before. Like, yeah, before the fact that crashed. like they were like just kind of taking his word for. I mean, yeah. there's obviously no concrete evidence that yeah. he did yeah, cause the things, yeah. accident, but Same with his father's still, death. like, yeah. they should have tried to like do a little bit it. more digging yeah. and like Besides pressuring his... him to hopefully yeah. get him to spill the beans and be like, yeah, I actually did cause yeah, it. Besides, you know, the three previous counts. Blame it on the fucking dogs. Yeah, I mean, like I said, everything, everyone in that car passed away besides him, so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like That's I say, the same thing, like, evaluating, you're looking at this kid, you see him from a young age, he's already showing tendencies of, you know, violence, torturing and killing animals, he's shooting at birds and shooting at humans and broad daylight with an air rifle. When he moves with Harvey, he's doing the same thing, he's shooting at dogs when they're barking at him, or he's shooting at people that buying apples on a little, uh, it was like a little tow truck. They said it in town. He was shooting at them, just tourists. And then he yeah, would like, wonder, what the fuck? Like, and then he, he would wonder why he wasn't getting friends. Like, no offense, bro, but you shooting at someone with a fucking air rifle is not gonna, you know, work towards you. They're gonna make you flee faster. Yeah. I mean, he obviously probably didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, that that's the that's the that's but, the point. That he, I don't know. But he couldn't like grasp what he was doing was wrong. Yeah, that I think it's kind yeah. of what it was. I, he. He was raised in an environment where this, like, hurting animals was seen as okay because they gave him a nickname, just, you know, Silly Martin. So it was never really been like, oh, like, this is bad. Like, his cue in his head telling him this is bad never clicked because there is a video of him being, um, you know, uh, interviewed by the police after they they detained him. And he's kind of had, like, zero remorse. He was kind of like, yeah, no, I did it. Like, it was my way of kind of, like, you know, getting revenge for my dad. They, they deserved it. They treated my dad like crap. They, you know, did us on purpose. They bought it just to hurt my family. Um, I went there because I felt like they were people who were going to turn their back on me again. Like, he viewed it as a way of just getting back at the people, not for him just to be like, I'm going to do this to get a thrill off. It was, like, just him getting yeah. back to people who were hurting him. But yeah. you see these same things happening when he was a kid. He's being bullied. So nothing ever happened to those kids. But when he's bullying people, it's a way of getting back at the people who hurt him. But he's getting in trouble. So again, yeah, just showing he just wants another people to feel what he's, he's feeling. feeling exactly. And obviously, 
you know, doesn't change what he did. It wasn't right. It's disgusting, you know. But for his for his reasoning, that's what it was. It was kind of just a way for him to get back at it. And he's openly been said when he was growing up that he had no uh, feeling for any living creature. As if, like, he was kind of, like, robotic. So. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. That's very crazy. I never heard about it. Ever. Yeah, I thought to bring it up. I kind of hinted towards it in the last uh, Mormon Monday episode. Mm-hmm. I mentioned, you know, one of the big cases in Australia that made, you know, gun law so strict was this. Um, He modeled it after a massacre that happened in uh, Scotland literally a month prior. I mentioned that, too. Yeah. Um, Literally the same format. Dude walked in. He would, you know, go there every once in a while to, like, kind of set the area. He went in, shot at a historical area, and then... You know, story continues. He modeled it after that because he felt like, damn, like he got away a lot. He got, he did a lot. But my thing I didn't understand was, I kind of understand. Like I hate saying I kind of understand because obviously you don't want to you know side with the murder. But I see his reasoning of wanting to get back because obviously not a sane sane enough. He was going at people who felt he was getting hurt by. But my thing was I didn't under- quite get the whole thing of like. You're already on the run. Why make yourself more of an asshole by killing a mother, her two young children, killing yeah, four right. innocent people in a car because you want to steal their car, and then you're just taking a hostage and killing this girl in front of them because why the fuck not? Yeah. I was really disturbed by the whole daughter thing because I didn't want to mention it because it was really eerie. He shot the girl while she was running away. Oh. The six-year-old. Jesus he, because the mother was carrying the three-year-old in her arm, he shot once and killed both. The six-year-old got dropped and she started running. He chased after her and then after like, I think they said it was like, after, like estimated from like where the mother was found, where the girl was found, it was like maybe like a minute run. He finally Jesus got Christ. to, he finally caught up to her and then shot her in the back. Wait, you mentioned, I got this correctly, right? That he sat down with a video camera? Yeah, he actually sat a video camera um, right before he started shooting. So I mentioned when he was in the cafe, he finished his meal. He started talking to people in the shop. He went to the back of the cafe. He went to an empty table and set up a video camera. And he recorded the entire interaction that occurred that day. Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I hope that's not out there. <sighs> it's Please out there. say it's not. It's Get the there. fuck out. Oh, and my God. There's also multiple angles of people in the courtyard. Remember when I mentioned that he, he, he uh, people in the courtyard thought it was just a reenactment. He took his opportunity to refill his mm-hmm. ammunition. People outside were like, oh, like, no, they're doing a reenactment inside. That's weird. They never do this on this day. They normally do it on this day. Um, there's another clip right after that, and you see a man recording Martin running to his car saying, this man is shooting people. And, he, and you see him turn around, and he starts shooting at the guy recording. Luckily, oh the man didn't get hit, but again, just showing, like, this man had zero remorse. He was just going to shoot anyone he saw. Yeah. And then you see the next, uh, another video around the same air time, Mark getting his car and just speeding off, and then it pans over to, like, all the people he gunned down in the parking lot. Basically, they're, like, crying, like, hovering over people who were injured, or just, like, whatever the case might be. It's fucked. And then there's video, rec- uh, obviously, because of the 18-hour-long, uh, like, um, standoff. Obviously, it's on the news, and it's obviously around a time where cameras are obviously available to public. Uh, there's video proof of him burning the house down and him getting captured as well. 
I'm so. googling it right now. Uh, did you know there's a movie based on it? Yeah, yeah. There's also um the TV series uh 60 Minutes. Uh, they have one where to interview his mother. I didn't mention that just because Damn. I wanted to mention that now. Um, I watched it. She talked about like what happened growing up. Um, and there, I think there's like I think there's two or three parts. I forget. I saw two parts. She mentions um. Uh, how she felt after the case, before the case, when she was with when he was with Harvey, when he was in school, when he was born, when he was being evaluated, everything. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I met, didn't mention during the thing, just because I wanted to again mention that now, because it was interesting to see. Because during my research, there was never any talks about the mother, other than her being the reason. Uh, Martin had his money put into a um kind of like a guard a guardian because mm -hmm. uh she was the one who actually filed for it and put it under her uh her martin's father yeah but no you can there's a whole interview with her and she discusses everything and it's it's crazy to see like her point of view basically coming from like how, like, how does a mother view her son after he causes this because you look yeah, at right. like don't fuck with cats and the mother's kind of like defending her son this one she's kind of like God, that pissed me off so bad. Yeah, where this one you look at and she's kind of like, it's my son, but he's a monster. Like, he did these horrible things. I can't believe yeah. it. Yada, she's yada. not trying to den deny it just because yeah. it's her son. the yeah. fact that it's her, it's her son. She knows and is aware what she, what he did. And I also mentioned at the very end that when he was putting put up for trial, he initially um, mentioned that he, he felt he was not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that was just simply he just felt like the things that he did were deserved. Jesus Christ. That was his reasoning. Um, it wasn't until when his lawyer sat him down and was like, dude, you, there's nothing we can do. You might as well just say you're guilty. So after two weeks of basically them going back and forth, he finally sat down and was like, yeah, I, I'm guilty on all charges. And then that's when they gave him 35 consecutive years, one life sentence for each life he took, and then the extra almost 2,000 for the harm and trauma given to the people that he did that day and yeah. attempted murder. And Jesus. then they were also going to try to give him um, obviously assault on cops because he obviously was on an 18-hour standoff shooting at cops. Um, he had, prior to the Tasmanian Special Forces coming, he had two cop cars, he basically had four cops basically pinned down in a uh, ditch. So it wasn't, and they were there for I want to say four-ish, some some amount of hours. They were stuck being pinned down by him, and it wasn't until the Tasmania task force came where they finally got him out. And then, like I said, eighteen hours of them basically fighting for him. But obviously, yeah. when he was being um, inside the uh, bed and uh, bed and breakfast, sorry, he uh, took the hostage's life because his demand to let the hostage go was he wanted a protected vehicle to take him to the airport and for him to be flown to another country. Yeah, right. And it, they were going to do it, but his phone died. And because his phone died, there was no longer negotiating, so he just took the hostage's life. God damn. Yeah. But That's insane. Yeah, that's the port. It's like, oh, my phone died. Yeah. No hope anymore. Literally. Literally. Kill you. Yeah. But yeah, they were literally like negotiating everything. They're like, yeah, like no, we can do this. We'll, we'll like instead of having an armored thing, they're gonna have them like helicoptered out to an airport. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, I thought they were only gonna do just to have a, you know, an easier time to like get him captured. 
which would be my mindset is like obviously they're not gonna make them get away scot free with this shit. Of course. But I think that was my thing. My thing they were gonna do with it, but like I said, the phone died, so they couldn't you know actually set it up. So it wasn't until they heard another gunshot where they when when he went inside, they found the couple who owned the bed and breakfast, and they saw the hostage. Damn. But yeah, Port Arthur. That's wild. Yeah, Port Arthur massacre. The reason Australia. I like that you pick something that like, I feel like, well, it's probably well known. It's just I never heard of it. It's. I feel like most people have never heard of it. I would feel it's probably. more well known in like Australia. Australia. And stuff like that, yeah. Where for us, our big thing. I, I hate saying like that. Our thing that we're, we're kind of known for is like Columbine, 9/11, stuff like that. Like, yeah. they're very very well known, but to like outside. We just we're just known for like school shootings, like other yeah. countries may not know by names, but yeah, Australia that's one of them. Their uh, their big one is the Port Arthur shooting, and unlike America, they actually did a change to the gun laws. So that's well, a topic for a different day. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll learn to adapt. We'll see. We'll see about that. But no, that's that was my topic. Any other final th- thoughts or opinions? No, I mean it's 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 crazy. It's crazy that yeah. I feel like it definitely could have been avoided. Yeah, but... there's there are so many signs, and I don't know. Maybe because at the time, maybe because things weren't as knowledgeable as they are now. That's probably why. You know, yeah. At happen. least all, like the 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 country is able to like learn from the mistake of not having. Well, those yeah. laws originally yeah, in yeah. place. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, uh, be qu- before we end this, I also thought to mention, um, 10 years after the massacre, uh, Port Arthur actually held a memorial for all the lives that were lost that day. And I'm not sure if it's still up, but at the 10th memorial of the massacre, they actually um, had a thing made for all the lives lost that day. Um, mm-hmm. And they had a whole ceremony for it and, like, a whole, like, uh, like candlelight thing. It was really, really nice. There's a video of that, too, out there. Um, just not to mention that. So, there was some <laughs> form of closure from it from the families and stuff who were harmed. Yeah. Um, they obviously, you know, got memorialized for something so tragic. So, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's wild. But, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Another uh, crazy episode for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was Jay, and I'm with my co-host. Lily. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Until next time. Bye.